it's good to have you here today. I'm glad that you came in spite of the, the weather outside and it sure is cold. It's a little bit cold in here, but now I'll get warm. So, uh, but I'm glad you're here and I uh, hope you came expecting the Lord to meet with us in a special way <coughs> and that you've been praying about today's service. Uh, I, the title of my message today is They've Been With Jesus and my text will be from Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 8 and reading through 13, and we'll read that in just a few minutes. But to bring us up to that point, we need to look back and see what happened leading up <clears throat> to this point. In chapter 3, we see the story of Peter and John going to the temple, and when they get there, they encounter a crippled man, a beggar, and he's begging them for money. And Peter tells him that they don't have any money, but they'll give him what they do have. And so he turns to the crippled man and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, rise up and walk. We see that the man is instantly healed. He doesn't have to go through any kind of rehab, nothing. He just jumps up and, and runs into the temple to let people know what's happened to him. And he's leaping and rejoicing and people want to know what's taken place. How did this happen? I mean, they had seen him for years laying out there, and now all of a sudden he's in there, and they want to know what happened. And so Peter and John used that occasion to preach the gospel. And people are saved, and it gets they get reported to the uh, high-ups in the temple there, and they get arrested. And the next day, they are brought back to the temple and the, uh, the officials start asking them questions. They ask them a question that uh, they probably wished after they got the answer that they had not asked. Uh, but they wanted to know by whose authority or in what name did they do this? And Peter used that occasion to do exactly what got him arrested to start with. He preached them a sermon and told them about Jesus. And they didn't like that either. But we see that uh, the, the religious leaders who they were talking to uh, realized there was something different about these two men. They realized that they weren't just ordinary men. I mean, they were in the sense that they were just plain fishermen. They were uneducated and all this. But they noticed that they had been with Jesus. What a great thing to say about somebody. I can see that you have been with Jesus. And that brings us up to our text today. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 8. And the Bible says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he is made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone that was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Will you pray with me this morning? Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning asking you to meet with us in a special way. Lord, as we come together, you know every heart that's here, you know every need, every burden. And we place each one before you now and ask you to speak to each heart and, and meet each need according to your will, Father. Lord, we pray that we as individuals and we as a church will live our lives in such a way that the people we come in contact with will be able to say the same thing about us, that I can see that you've been with Jesus. So help us this day to focus on your word, allow you to speak to our hearts, and Lord, we'll leave rejoicing not only that we've been in your presence, but that you have, spoke, that you have met our needs. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. So our focus today is mainly on the last part of verse 13. Uh, the members of the council were amazed uh, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John because they could see, that, like I said earlier, these were just ordinary men. I mean, they were just fishermen. They had worked hard all their lives just making a living fishing, and here they are spouting off all this gospel or all this talk about Jesus. And it surprises the uh, council there. And it says here, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, Peter, I mean, Paul and uh, Paul, uh, Peter and James were, or uh, John, my goodness, Peter and John were not Bible college graduates. They hadn't gone to seminary to be a preacher, but they knew Jesus. They had walked with him, they had talked with him, they knew him personally. And every time they had an opportunity, they spoke out for him. And a lot of times it ended up just like it did uh, this time when they get arrested for talking about Jesus. But these people were amazed. Uh, these people were different. John and, and Peter were different. They had some problems early on. Uh, they weren't always uh, the people that we see them as here. Um, but it was, it was a time, and we'll get into some of the things that were different about them. But just want to focus just a minute on the fact that they, the people knew that they had been with Jesus. Uh, when I was, when we lived in Nashville, we, for 30 years, we got up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And so it was a habit. And even after children left home and they weren't having to get up and go to school, like our school started at 7 o'clock there. And they had to catch the bus at six, so you got up early. But so we were in the habit of it. And so I would have my quiet time and devotions early in the morning when I'd get up. And uh, one morning, my daily Bible reading included these verses. And you know how sometimes you're reading the Bible and you know it's a text that you've probably read a hundred times, and all of a sudden a verse will jump out at you, and, and you think, wow, I know I've seen this. Uh, but all of a sudden, it takes on a different meaning for you. And that day, this verse spoke to me, especially the part about uh, these people recognized that John and Peter had been with Jesus. And I didn't know why, but, but all during the day, that day, 
every once in a while that verse would come back, at least that phrase, they saw that they had been with Jesus. And all of a sudden, later on that day, I was still at work, and it was like a ton of bricks had dropped on me, and I realized, can my neighbors look at me and see that I've been with Jesus? Now, we had some great neighbors. I, I'm telling you, we, we were the second people that moved in the neighborhood, so we knew the people there, and, but we were the old folks, and, uh, but they were good to us. Uh, when we would have snowstorms like today or uh, rain or, I mean, not rain, but ice and snow, we would hear something going on outside and we'd look and either uh, the, people, the young guys across the street or next door or the, the older man across the street, they were out there cleaning our, uh, our driveway and our walkway uh, before they even did theirs. They were doing ours. And they knew that I had a little dog and that I walked her about 5 o'clock, 5.30 every morning. And they knew that uh, we had like six or seven steps from the front porch to the, the walkway. And they didn't wanted to make sure that I didn't fall when I took my dog out. And so we knew whenever a storm came like that, that they were going to clean our driveway. And one, while we were still living there, I'd have had surgery one time, and uh, I traveled a lot. Once I became the president and CEO, I traveled almost every week for certain times of the year, and I would be home on the weekends, but gone during the week a lot. And when she had surgery, the children came and stayed until she could sort of get around. And uh, but whenever she got where she could handle everything inside, she still couldn't walk the dog. I mean, and if you got a dog, you knew that they need to go out once in a while, they need to walk. And we had a neighbor across the street, his name was uh, Neil, and he came over every day to walk our dog. And he didn't come in and say, well, I came to walk Landy, but he came over, he didn't want us to feel like he was doing us a favor. And instead of doing it that way, he said, I came to see if Landy could go for a walk. And I came to see if Landy could do so-and-so. We had wonderful neighbors. Uh, and that day, when this was part of my devotions for that day, I could see Neil and I could see Justin, his brother. We had a lot of single guys that lived in the neighborhood. Both, on both sides, we had single guys across the street. And I kept thinking about them, and I, I wondered, can they see that I've been with Jesus. They know that I'm a Christian. I tell them I'm praying for them, and some of them would tell me occasionally things, they were having problems at work or a relationship, and ask me to pray about it. And we got them to go to church with us occasionally. We never could get them to come regular, but they would come. And I thought, is that enough? You know, when they see me outside of, of my natural, if they see me on the street or in a different environment, could they say the same thing? Could they say, I know that Ray has been with Jesus. I can tell that he's been with Jesus. And I wondered about that. And I, 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 it just really made me stop and think, you know, I need to be consistent wherever I am because I don't know who's watching me. Uh, and I need them to know 
if I'm ever going to have any influence on my neighbors or my coworkers or whatever, I've got to live my life in such a way that they know that I've been with Jesus and he's done something for me. In my daily life, can, I, can people see that I have been with him? I believe that if we have been with Jesus, if we've trusted him as our Lord and Savior, if we spend time with him every day, it's going to show. It's going to make a change in our lives. I believe that uh, part of the problem that we see in our country today is that the outside world is not seeing a difference in the people who are in church than those who are out of the church. There used to be a difference, but now we do the same things they do and people aren't seeing a difference. But there ought to be a difference. I mean, you don't have to walk around with your uh, family Bible under your arm and a pious look on your face all the time to make a difference for the Lord. You can do it. You can make a difference in such a way that people know that you've been with Jesus. Peter and John had been with Jesus. And the rulers, the religious leaders, recognized that. But how did they recognize that? What was different about them that made the religious leaders say, I can tell they've been with Jesus? Well, there's four things I want to touch on uh, briefly this morning that I believe enabled them to be known as people who had been with Jesus. <clears throat> First of all, they had been changed. Peter and John were not superheroes. Uh, we don't need to put them up on a pedestal because they weren't that kind of person. They were people who were not perfect. They made mistakes. They blew it from time to time. And scriptures point out some of those times that they, they blew it. They just weren't what they ought to have been. Remember the night in Gethsemane just before Jesus was uh, arrested. He took Peter, James, and John into further into the garden with him. And he tells them, he says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. And three times he went further into the garden to pray. Three times he came back, and all three times they had fallen asleep. Now his heart was broken. I mean, he says, near unto death. I mean, that's how sorrowful he was. And asked his closest friends, just watch with me. Just be with me. That's all I want. They couldn't even do that. Can you imagine the discouragement that he must have felt? And then there was a time that he was arrested, and Mark says that every one of them deserted him and left. The time when he needed his friends the most, the people that he had spent his entire ministry with, all 12 of these guys, or 11 was left then, but all of them deserted him and left. Then there's Peter and his denial. He had traveled with Jesus for three years. He had seen the miracles. He had heard him preach. He had been part of the private teaching all for three years, and all of a sudden he gets scared. And three times in a row, he denies even knowing him. But these men experienced a change. They weren't always like that. 
they changed and people took notice in Acts chapter 2. Just after Jesus has ascended into heaven, Peter takes the lead. He calls the people together for prayer and uh, appoints new leaders in the church. We see him preaching his first sermon and 3,000 people get saved. I mean, can you imagine 3,000 people getting saved in your first sermon? Then we see Peter and John moving around among the people, performing miracles and preaching. Many times they got beaten for it. They got thrown into prison for their trouble, and yet they kept going back. They didn't desert him then. They kept going. Peter and John wrote uh, several books of the New Testament. These were changed men, and people took note of the fact that they had changed and if people are going to see that we have been with Jesus, they've got to see a change in us. They've got to see something in us worth changing their lives for if we're ever going to have a different, make a difference in their lives. If my life isn't different, if I haven't changed from my old self, the neighbors I'm trying to reach aren't going to take note of that. I've got to live my life different. I've got to show the change that's taken place. It's not enough for your friends and neighbors and those you go to church every time the doors are open. They got to see something else. It's got to show wherever you are and whatever you're involved in, they've got to see a change. And when we meet Jesus, when we trust him as our personal savior, just, and we spend time with him in prayer and meditation, then we will experience change. So Peter and John, they were changed men. They weren't the... Uh, failures that they had been before. The second thing that we see, that they were compassionate. <coughs> they could have sidestepped this man just like so many people did when they entered the temple for years. But Peter and John had been with Jesus. They had seen him raise the dead. They had seen him heal the sick. They had seen him feed the hungry. They had seen him do all these things, his compassion for, for the people. And they had compassion. They had been with Jesus. They didn't have the money to give to the guy, but they said, I'll give you something. I'll give you what I've got. And what he got was a whole lot better than a $5 bill or $10. Well, they didn't have it back then, but that's a whole lot better than what they had uh, if they had given them money. If you and I had been with Jesus, we ought to show compassion. Theodore Roosevelt said, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And folks, that's true. Do your neighbors know that you care about them? Do they know that they can call on you not for material things, but when they have a problem, a need, that they can call on you? People need to know that we care if we're ever going to have an influence on them. Do your neighbors know that you care? Jesus said, if you have done it unto one of the, the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. When we show compassion, when we show people we care, it's just like we're doing it to Jesus himself. That's what Jesus said right here. So a true mark of a person who's been with Jesus is that his life has been changed and that he or she is compassionate. The third thing I see about Peter and John is that they were courageous when the religious leaders questioned Peter and John, 
Peter does the same thing he did the day before. Tells him the same thing. Even though it, it, he's being, uh, he stands a chance of being persecuted or uh, just really having a, a hard time with these people, he still tells them about Jesus. Didn't matter what he was going to face in the long run, he tells them about Jesus. These were men who uh, knew that things were happening. Uh, they saw uh, that these men were standing true in spite of the fact that they were going to fate or they were facing danger for doing it. These religious leaders saw that here's two men that's going to stand up for what's right. No matter what they're going to face, they're going to do what's right. They knew, they recognized their boldness or the uh, newer translations instead of boldness, say courage. These religious leaders saw the courage of these two men. So <clears throat> when Peter and John, where did they find their courage? They found it because they had been with Jesus. And we must follow their example. We must be courageous. We must stand up for what's right. Sometimes we're going to be the only ones that stands. But we need to stand for what's right. The church and our religious beliefs as a whole are under constant attack. I saw, or we saw a good example of this back in 2021. I still remember, and I still can't believe it, but it happened. In 2021, during March Madness, the USA Today, which is one of the leading newspapers in America, their headline during this was, Oral Roberts University should be banned from NCAA tourney due to biblical beliefs. Now that was the headline. Didn't try to hide it at all, but they ought to be banned because of their biblical beliefs. I still have a hard time believing that, but I, I Googled it again before I preached this sermon to make sure that I was remembering correctly. But that, that happened. And not for poor sportsmanship, uh, not for cheating, but because of their biblical beliefs. And he the writer specifically pointed out uh, ORU's uh, honor code. If you go to ORU, you have to sign an honor code that says you will not engage in premarital sex, homosexuality, or same-sex marriage. And this writer didn't think that was right. And if you believe that, you ought not to be able to play with the other colleges. So in his opinion, if you've got biblical beliefs, you ought to be penalized for it. A while back, I read an article. I love to read Jim Dennison. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not, but I get his uh, paper every day and he uh, did an article on things that are happening against Christians today. And I just made a list of some of them. He said, a New Jersey teacher was suspended for giving a student a Bible. A foot football coach, and this happened recently, it was on the news here, a football coach was placed on leave for praying on the field. Uh, the Atlanta fire chief was fired for self-publishing a book defending Christian morality. A Marine was court-martialed for refusing to remove a Bible verse on her desk. Christian groups like InterVarsity Christian Fellowship have been expelled from college campuses. 
Christianity is under attack. And Christians need to brace themselves for it. And we need to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going past this. I'm not going to give in. And it may mean that we face some of the same things that John and, and Peter did. We may be persecuted the same way they were. But no matter what, we need to stand for what's right. We need to cling to the promise that God uh, made us, uh, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And we need to stand for what's right. And then we'll make an impression. When we do that, people will know that we have been with Jesus. We need to be changed. We need to be compassionate. And we need to be, <clears throat> we need to be courageous. The fourth thing, excuse me, the fourth thing we ought to be is committed. Peter and John were committed to Christ. Not just on when they got to the temple, but all the time they were committed to him. They were committed to his calling and his calls. But commitment is becoming a thing of the past, not just in the church, but I was thinking just as I was preparing this message, 56 years ago next month, Ida and I stood before the preacher and, and made our vows, and we made our vows for... Uh, in sickness, richer for poorer, sickness and in health until death do us part. Now we've experienced verse four. We've been rich, well, we haven't been rich. We've, been, we've had stuff and we haven't had stuff. <laughs> and we've been sick and we've been well. We haven't experienced the last one yet. But people aren't doing that anymore. They aren't making, you know, it's uh, the attitude, well, we'll get married and if it doesn't work, we'll just get rid of this one and, and we'll try again. No commitment. No commitment to the churches anymore. People church hop here and there just because something doesn't go their way. Uh, one church, well, the first church we were free will Baptist in, uh, where they had people to leave, they built a new building, and that's when we started. We had just bought our first house, and they built this church, and we didn't know anything about free will Baptist. But I said, whenever we, they finished, you know, I want to visit there. But they had some people to leave because they didn't use the red carpet like we've got here. They used green. And some people thought in a church, back then everybody had red carpet if you were in a church. And so they had some people to leave. Some people leave because they aren't appreciated. They change a light bulb and the church doesn't you know, clap them on the back and tell them how wonderful they are for doing it. And so they leave and go somewhere that they are appreciated. It's just... No, no commitment anymore. But Peter and John were committed because they had been with Jesus. And if you've been with Jesus, if you're being with him daily in prayer and Bible study, then you too need to be committed. An example of commitment on February 19, 1812, Adoniram Judson and his bride of seven days his wife's name was Anne. They set sail for India. They were going to be missionaries to India. They got there. They were denied entrance. And so a little later, they were granted permission to go into the country of Burma, where they uh, could go instead of going to India. And they chose to do that. And Judson was there for 38 years. When they got there, though, Burma had millions of people, but there was not one known Christian in the whole country. 
Not one registered Christian in the whole country of millions of people. And over the years, Judson and his wife had a lot of uh, troubles, a lot of struggles. He and his wife had one child, and that child died when he was eight years old. Judson was thrown into prison as a British spy and spent 21 months in prison. His wife, Anne, got violently ill and had to go back home for two years to recuperate. The work of the ministry was awfully slow. Like I said, when they got there, there was no known Christians. At the end of the first year, no Christians. The second year, no Christians. Matter of fact, after five years, they had still not won one person to the Lord. It was in their sixth year as missionaries that they reached their first person. Well, Judson put in his journal, every time I see a ship set sail for home, I want to jump on it and go. But he didn't. Why? Why did he stay in Burma? Why do our modern day missionaries go to foreign lands and remote places in the United States? Why do they keep going as long as there's breath left in them? A few years ago, we lost one of our home missionaries, a young man named Tim Osborne. And Tim pastored a, a mission church in Memphis, Tennessee. And he became terminally ill. He, he got cancer. But he kept going. He knew he was dying, but he kept going Sunday after Sunday. He visited, he did everything he could do. And even the last Sunday that he lived, he died like middle of the week, but on Sunday before he died that week, he was in his pulpit preaching. Nobody would have blamed him for staying home in the bed. I mean, he was deathly ill. They had to bring a, a stool out for him to sit on to preach because he was so weak. But he did it. Why? Because he was committed. We, we knew Tim and, and liked him. He was a, a fine young man. But he was committed right up to the end. We, one of our veteran international missionaries, Geneva Poole, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And as a missionary wife, one of her responsibilities, she taught a women's Bible study every week. And the week before she died, she taught that class. She didn't quit because she was committed. And such a commitment comes from having been with Jesus. Let me tell you the, the rest of the story of Adoniram Judson. As I said earlier, when he arrived in Burma, there were no Christians. It took six years to win the first person. But after he died, a government survey recorded that there were over 210,000 Christians in Burma. What, what if he had left after five years? I mean, having won nobody, and he had jumped on that ship that was headed for home and gone back. 210,000 people, 38 years, he was committed. 
we must be committed if people are going to see that we've been with Jesus. And let me ask you in closing this morning, how committed are you? How committed are you to live your life in such a way that your neighbor knows you've been with Jesus? What about that waitress when you go to lunch today that is slow getting there, then she gets your order wrong? When she leaves your table from having to listen to you complain, can she say he's been with Jesus or she's been with Jesus? What about that cashier at, when you go to the grocery store? Well, now you're on cashier, I guess. But when you go, and, and anybody that you have one-on-one -on -one contact with, and maybe you aren't the happiest with them, when you walk away, can they say, boy, I can tell he's been with Jesus. That's what I want. I want to live my life 24 hours a day in such a way that there's no doubt in anybody's mind that I have been with Jesus. I want to see my neighbors. Now, we had great neighbors in, in Nashville, and I still pray for them daily, and I still stay in contact. We text back and forth, and we don't go to Nashville without going by to see them and this kind of stuff. And like I said, we got great neighbors here. Ida's been sick for the last couple of weeks. We've had meals fixed for us during the week, and... One day, uh, they just hung a bag on the front door, and it was two pieces of homemade cake. And, I mean, they look out for us, but now they're not 30 years old like we had in Nashville. They're all our age or older, so they're not going to scrape my sidewalk and all this, but uh, that's all right because uh, Rick and Vicky's daughter's place of business is going to do it for us. So. Uh, because they are they're on the contract too. But anyway, uh, I want anybody that I come in contact with to know that I'm different, that I, that I know Jesus Christ. And if I'm ever going to win that neighbor to the Lord, they've got to see that in me. And so I want to be where people know that I've been with Jesus. And it's my prayer that each one of us have such a close relationship with the Lord that when others see us, every person in this room, that when people see us, they can see that we've been with Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, even in our roughest times, you're always there. You, you said you never leave us nor forsake us, and I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you for the people that you place in our lives that we might have an influence over. I thank you for our neighbors. Thank you for our friends and our family. And Lord, help us to live our lives in such a way that there's no doubt in any of their minds that we've been with you. Not for a pat on the back for us on how good we are, but Lord, to bring honor and glory to you. Lord, speak to our hearts now, and if there are needs here among us today, I pray that we will make those uh, decisions for you before we leave this place today. For we pray in Christ's name, amen.